You're listening to Paranormal Portal on Revolver Podcasts. everybody welcome to the paranormal portal podcast i hope you guys are having a wonderful night and thank you so much for tuning in and supporting all that we're doing here on the podcast it's uh been amazing you guys have been amazing out there uh checking us out and subscribing and downloading and um it's just a real real pleasure uh of course i'm your host brent thomas this is the paranormal portal podcast and uh once again special thanks to revolver podcast for making all this possible Let's get going. The first story tonight is coming out of Louisiana. I want to share my story with you guys. Well, here it goes. I remember this like like it was yesterday, although I don't remember every detail. This happened about four or five years ago, and it was me and three of my cousins. We'll call them M, T, and S. The story behind it is my cousin T's husband died in a car accident. She was picking him up from work when he got into when they got into an accident and he was already sick and the car was a real small car not to mention that he was a really big guy and well when they got in, in the accident he died from him having a fever and of 105 or something like that well she took this very hard so one day being weirdos that me and my cousin M are we decided to see if we could talk to him we heard that if you write down a question on a piece of paper, the person in question is, is intended for will answer the question. Well, we decided to try it, not thinking it would work. Uh, my cousin uh, had a really, really dark room, and the lights were off, door closed, and curtains drawn. My cousin Elm and I always talk about scary stuff like ghosts, death, and other crazy things. 
The nights before this, we just couldn't sleep because we were so scared that we had to sleep during the day. An overview of the way her room was set up when you walk in to the left of you is a big dresser with a mirror and the TV, and to the right of you is another big dresser with a mirror on it. Uh, straight ahead of you is a dresser drawer unit with the three drawers and the little drawers that open for more space for clothes. I forgot what it's called. I don't know either, I guess. But a uh, closet to the left of that and the bed to the right. And the bed is against the wall. Uh, the window is on. And there, and then there is a door next to the bed that leads to the porch. Anyway, back to the story. I was sitting uh, with my shoulder against the closet back. Uh, back is against the dresser thingy. Uh, T was sitting next to me, then M and S with her shoulder against the bed. And we got a piece of paper, wrote the question on the paper, said our person's name, who I will not say because of the second experience I had with saying his name, uh, which will be another story. But three times and tossed the paper in the air. And wouldn't you know it, the paper landed right by my foot. We waited not even five seconds after tossing the paper and saying the name, a large, very dark shadow approached. The shadow was at the end of my foot. And now remember, the room is pitch dark, but the shadow was an even darker blackness. I don't remember being cold or any such thing. And well, after not being able to take the scariness out of it, we moved. The shadow disappeared. And we turned the lights on and read the paper. And the question we wrote was, do you forgive me? For the simple fact, she blamed herself. And as I write this, I get the feeling that makes your eyes water. The question we never, or the answer we never expected. It's not your fault. And it trailed off. And we knew what it said. I was so amazed that it actually worked. My cousin T did not believe us and she said we did it, but it was impossible. We were all holding hands. She didn't see the shadow. Uh, she was the only one not to see the shadow. And we don't know why she wasn't able to see the shadow either. The handwriting was very shaky, too. It was so weird and interesting, but that was the last time it worked. We tried it again with my cousin M's parents, but it didn't work. And I tried it again with my friends and nephew and his friends, but I don't think they truly believed in it, But that's and that's why it didn't work. And that's the whole story. Now, that's... Really weird. Now, there is no other story submitted by this person, so I, I have no idea what the other story with mentioning the name is. Um, but apparently, there was something else. But they had not submitted a second story, so we can't read that. Um, you know, that's a real phenomenon, though, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, the whole idea of a room can be pitch black, and then a spirit can enter it, and, you know, or some presence, and I don't know how to surmise what this presence is, but that's the phenomena that's like the darker than dark, the, the blacker than black. And, and uh, I know I've experienced something like that, but I always thought it was just visual anomalies. But uh, our good friend Dan Pruitt, who's a paranormal investigator, is talking about he was <clears throat> you know, uh, doing an investigation in a, in a state hospital that's uh, been abandoned. And uh, he and the other researchers were in a room, and they even had, um, they had equipment on hand that would measure the ambient light. And he said it was just pitch black in this room. There was no ambient light at all that he could tell. But he said as they were sitting there in this pitch blackness, 
over by the doorway, which he knew where it was because, of course, they, they had lights on at some point there. Um, they were sat on the floor, and he said over by the doorway. Suddenly he saw a, a blackness enter the room, and it was blacker than the pitch black, and it was significantly blacker than the pitch black, and it entered the room and came through, and then they felt the chills and everything as well, the cold air that usually accompanies the, these manifestations of spirits. And then it left. And he said that he checked his equipments and it actually did reg register on the ambient light detector that it got darker than it was throughout the duration of that experience. So he had uh, actual corroboration through equipment that validated the experience. Now it's hard to understand Well, there's no light, how can there be less than no light? But apparently there is still some light, uh, measurable light, um, perhaps even infrared. Who knows? I, I don't know if it, if it uh, includes other light spectrums or not. But, but the point being that uh, apparently it's very possible uh, to, to see entities that are darker than the dark. And that comes up all the time in the paranormal, ladies and gentlemen. People always report seeing these apparitions that are blacker than black, the, you know, the inky blackness in the corner or at the foot of the bed or resembling a human shape. And it's hard to understand what that is because you think if a room is pitch black, well, there is no light to see. There's nothing that's possible to see, but apparently it is still possible to see. And, uh, in this case it was recorded. It was actually, uh, corroborated by a light sensor. So I thought that was a really phenomenal, uh, piece of investigation because it definitely validates that this is a real phenomenon. That is an actual presence of some kind that is mobile. It moves. It's not just a, a stationary uh, place where the light doesn't get in. It was something that moved into the room, was in there with the, he and the other investigators, and then moved out of the room again. And it was something they saw with their eyes and were able to record on the equipment. So uh, I think that's incredibly profound. It's incredibly disturbing as well. Because, <laughs> you know, what does that mean? What, is that, what does the darkness mean? And again, we go back to our, our you know, our, our prejudices, and I don't mean racially. Uh, this is not a racial thing. But, you know, the, the good guys wear white hats, the black guys, or the bad guys wear black hats, like in the old, uh, the old westerns. That was how they identified the good guys versus the bad guys. Well, and we think that carries true with things like uh, spiritual apparitions. Well, a light or white apparition is a good apparition, and, and the, the dark, shadowy ones are the bad ones. Well, I don't know that that's the case, and I, I don't think that that's any, any uh, measure to uh, guide you on <laughs> how to deal with these entities. So um, it, it's strange. It could have been just a benign presence that was conscious and was there, but wasn't trying to be disruptive or anything. Maybe it was just passing through. Notice these people were there and were checking them out, but... Uh, it certainly doesn't mean it's an automatic indicator for evil. So don't allow yourself to get into that kind of thinking. It doesn't mean it's not, though, either. So <laughs> take, it, take, it for, take it as you will, I guess. <clears throat> but it is a real phenomenon. It, is, it has been measured. Um, and so it's, it's a real thing. And I believe Dan with, with all my being. I mean, I know Dan. I've investigated with Dan in the ghost town of Coloma in Montana. And uh, we had some really great experiences over there. The next story is uh, Rhode Island. We're going to head over to Rhode Island this time. Hold on a sec. I got a cough. Okay, so this is the 
Oh, it has to do with apparitions, voices, and touches. The Naval War College was established on Coasters Harbor Island in October of 1884, and it was originally located in a recently vacated public asylum, but has extended into four interconnected buildings. The original building now houses the international students attending courses at the college and to hear watch standers, watch standers tell the story. One of the creepiest, uh, and this is my experience, with a full-bodied apparition. June 2005, late night on a Saturday night, 0315, I know because I logged this event in the watch log. I was on the quarter deck, front desk, as officer of the deck, OOD, and my petty officer of the watch, (laughs) of course they give me acronyms for everything, so petty officer of the watch is P-O-O-W was out on patrol, and he had just entered Lucci Hall, uh, L-U-C-E, the original building of the college. I was monitoring the entryway cameras, and I saw a man dressed in a full-dress officer uniform, early 1900s style, and he even wore a hat and had a long beard. As the shock of seeing him wore off, I realized this that this individual had entered in from a door that is locked overnight and on weekends without setting off the alarm. Well, it was 03.15, 3.15 a.m. for those non-military time folks, and that he was wearing a winter uniform, and we were already in our summer whites. Well, I called the roving patrol, and he was on the same floor as this door, and he headed right for it. And before long, I saw him on the camera, but he had not seen or heard anybody enter the building or walking the hallway. He had felt a cool breeze pass him in the hall, but... He had seen and heard nothing. I had him complete his patrol and rejoin me on the quarter deck. I'd pulled up the camera footage of this man entering the building, and it was my POOW who noticed something I had not noticed before. The door the man had entered from never opened, at least not on camera. We watched this many times, many, many times, and sure enough, this apparition walks right through the door and up the hallway leaving the camera's view within about four to five steps. I wish I could have made a copy of this footage, but of course I couldn't. One of the hazards of being enlisted, the equipment is not yours, nor is anything you record on watch. Uh, That was written by a gentleman named Rook, or goes by the name of Rook. What a wild, wild story. Wow. Um, sure. (laughs) I find that completely plausible. They're out there, ladies and gentlemen. These apparitions are out there. Let's go to the next one. This is Indiana. Uh, For the longest time, I was blamed for waking up my brother. and He's 11 years younger than me, and our rooms are right next to each other. So when he goes to bed, it's basically lights, radios, and TV out until he is soundly sleeping. Then I can quietly listen or watch what I like. And Mama even got me some earphones so that I could be even quieter and It got so bad that I was sent to bed at the same time as him. About a month ago, I decided to see what would happen if I slept out in the family room, and I guess I wanted to prove to my parents that I was not waking him by accidentally kicking the bookcase that is at the foot of my bed and up against the wall of his room. Around 10 at night, the door opened, the light from his nightlight was so bright and the triangle that came out of the room landed right across my eyes. So it woke me up. I waited for him to come out the door, but he didn't. So I walked up to the door to see what he was doing, 
and he was sleeping. The room was as bright as if the overhead light was on, and I could, couldn't remember his nightlight being that bright. I went back to the couch thinking he had woken up and was too hot, so he opened the door to get more air in, like I have to sometimes. And around one, around one, I heard him walking across the floor. We have one weak spot, and it squeaks a little when walked on, so I went to see if he was, just wanted to sleep with me instead of waking up Dad and Mama. When I went into his room, he was sitting on the edge of his bed. He was rubbing his eyes and asking someone to be quieter. He was trying to sleep. I asked him who he was talking to because I was being quiet, and he pointed to the left side wall, the one that my bookcase is on the other side of, and said, him, he wants to play. Well, there wasn't anybody there. I climbed over my brother and wrapped my arm around his tummy and told him I would tell his friend to leave if he got too loud and that he was supposed to go to sleep. My brother did, but I never did see his friend. Oh, man, that's creepy, huh? Yeah, those <laughs> kids see all this stuff, ladies and gentlemen. They do. I really believe it. Kids see it. They experience a lot of things that we adults just can't seem to, can't seem to catch. And again, don't know why, but they're just definitely more tuned in than we are. Okay, everybody, I think it's time we got to take a break, so don't go away, and we'll be right back with more of the Paranormal Portal podcast in just a couple minutes. Hey, guys, Brent Thomas here of the Paranormal Portal podcast. We just wanted to take a moment to introduce you to the Paranormal Portal store. We've got t-shirts, hoodies, leggings, stickers, mugs, you name it, you might find it over there. So head on over to teespring.com slash stores slash paranormal dash portal and you too can help fund the Paranormal Portal podcast. Thank you so much for all that you do and thank you for being a part of our Paranormal Portal family. everybody and we're back and we're back at it here on the paranormal portal podcast buckle up we're going in this one's from indiana and it's uh has to do with psychic and mediums our five-year-old got too close what our five-year-old got too close where we spent halloween night oh he got to choose i'm sorry i'm reading that wrong our five-year-old got to choose where we spent Halloween night. As his 16-year-old sister was going with friends to an organized haunted house, after giving him the choice of a few neighboring cities, he chose Middlebury. We parked the truck on Main Street and headed out to gain some treats for our futuristic police officer. Uh, he got to pick which way to go and what streets to hit and all of that. And the town was small enough that all we really had to do was to turn around if we got lost and simply look for traffic. If there was a vehicle moving, that was Main Street. 
children were running up to houses and he was just calmly making his way up this street and down the next around the corner and he stopped and he kind of cocked his head to the side as if trying to hear things a bit more clearly or remember something that was just beyond his reach. Uh, we actually had to stop him from, uh, to have him go up on the porches for treats. And when we got to this one particular street, he broke into a shining smile and said, yep, this is the street. And his dad and I just looked at him and daddy said, but you missed all those other houses. You only have a few pieces of candy. I know, but this is where I need to be today, daddy. And well, honestly, who could argue with that? Up on the porch was Jack Sparrow, and I think the, that is the name of the pirate on the Pirates of Caribbean, and Sarah Palin. Our police officer got in line and was headed up to the porch when my husband silently grabbed my arm and pointed to a plaque attached to the porch, which stated the home was registered on www.hauntedhouses.com. Ooh. <laughs> All we had on hand was Daddy's cell phone, but we shot off the photo anyway, and our son was up there talking to Jack. All the rest of the children had wandered away and off to collect more goodies, and there he stood talking to the pirate. He turned to talk to Sarah Palin just as I grabbed my husband's arm and whispered, uh, lack of upbringing here, I pointed at the doorway. Look at that. And, and Daddy started towards our son. No, wait, watch. <clears throat> our son looked past Sarah and into the house, and Sarah and Jack uh, stood up and walked over to Sarah. Uh, what? Jack stood up and walked over to Sarah and whispered something to her, and both of them were looking between our son and us, still standing out on the street on the sidewalk. Our son smiled really big and said, Oh, he's Amish. And Sarah said, Who? The man in your house. I thought he was dressed up like you but that is who he is. Total silence. Can I talk to him? Oh, uh, well, we, we see, uh, st stammered both of them. And I stepped up slightly and said in my most calming voice, it's all right. He, he will not hurt him. He will not try to scare him. He just wants to know why he's here. He can do that. Yep. He can do that. About a half hour later, our son says, thank you. It's been a pleasure to meet you. Maybe I see you again. Sarah and Jack were speechless, but brought themselves together enough to tell him that it would be a pleasure. And our son paused on the step, turned back to, around to Sarah and Jack and said, Oh, I'm sorry. I like meeting you too. Can I come back? To which he obtained a standing invitation to return, which we did the following weekend. <clears throat> Excuse me. When we returned, we did a tour of the house in the garage area, and I had asked permission to walk through with my son and to share in the experience, and permission was granted to the entire family. After talking a bit on, uh, in the house, I started to notice my son's actions. He was basically allowed to do as he pleased, and he had made quite an impression on the husband and wife who lived here. While the adults were talking, our five-year-old began to wander. Where are you going, Mr. Sam? Can I come too? Oh, could you stay with us for a few minutes, please, sir? I don't understand the narrative of the story, ladies and gentlemen. It's, it's, I mean, it's not poorly written. It's just, I, I don't know who's talking. It's not being attributed to anybody, but it's in quotes. So I'm just going with it. <laughs> he walked around the living room, seemed to watch someone either stack or stoke 
a fire and wandered out into the kitchen, wandered back through the living room and then back in, out into the garage. And he was definitely following someone in the lull of the conversation. Our son came barreling into the house through a side door that we were not aware of. They had neglected to show us that. It was a hidden passage from the workshop to the house in the event that Sam would work late at night on a special design. I thought he had come through the wall. Hurry, we have to go now. So we jumped up and went in, out in the garage, and Sam had, let our, Sam had let our son know that he needed to go to town to see the banker. In his quest to retrace his steps as before, our son had tried to stop him, but he was determined to find his family. And that is when our son ran to, in to get us. Our son started down the drive and was following. We stopped at a dime store, and I asked why he was there. It was raining, and none of us stopped to grab our jackets. We didn't think we were going to walk a few blocks. He just pointed straight up. Above the door on the second floor was chiseled Middlebury Trust and Loan. We all stood outside and waited for a total of 20 minutes when we then followed our son as he headed a bit further down the street to the hardware store where we waited outside for about 10 minutes. Then our son simply spun on his heel and started walking back to the house. He kind of skipped along like he was having a heyday, enjoying himself when all of a sudden he stopped, as if he ran into a wall and grabbed his head and started howling. There he dropped to the ground. He dropped to roll on the ground just to make just making this awful noise. I'll be honest, I froze. I had no idea what to do to help him. I started for him, but my husband grabbed my arm and shook his head no. Our teenager tried to squeeze past us to get to her brother, but and Daddy stopped her uh, to block her, and Daddy just pointed down to our son. We all watched in amazement as a kind of mist wrote, mist rose up log logically that could have been all in the fact that our son was warm and rolling around on a cold, wet sidewalk. From around him and dissipated, and after a minute or so of stunned silence, he just got up and slowly said, let's go back to the house. I have to see something. When we got back to the house, he said Sam was home. After sitting in the garage with Sarah and Jack for a while, our five-year-old asked how important it was that their house was haunted. Um, Sarah said it was pretty important. The town loves that there is such a documented place here, and they enjoy people coming from all around to check it out, check out the haunted home. And even if the majority of people never make it to the house, the town prospers in the warmer months when the tourists come to see the Amish crafts and such that the town offers. And an added pull is that there is a haunted house there. Our son asked about the man who, that walks further out of town but still on County Road 18, and they said he helps, but he is mostly only seen by the town folk. Our son sat down on the garbage can and said something to the effect of, here's the thing, Sam needs his wife and babies and they aren't here. They're in a much better place, and he should be too. And Jack said, yeah, but he's stuck here. And we have had investigators here that are much older than you, and they left him alone. Why can't you? And they said, because that's not what Sam wants. We like him here. He helps the town. But he can help no one if he's stuck. But we like him, and this is from Sarah. And our son was quiet, and then he whispered, but his family loves him. You could have heard a pin drop. 
In the end, we cleansed, smudged, and blessed the house. We did the same with the garage, and then we were getting ready to leave. There was a sadness to both Sarah and Jack, but they still left our son check, let our son check throughout uh, the gutted car garage, and Jack is building a race car, and our boy was excited to see how it was going. As he was playing in the sunroof, he grabbed a flashlight and was looking into the dark areas of the car. Jack has fluorescent lighting up along the walls of the room, save for the wall leading to the hidden door. Our son heard a noise, no one else did, and he looked up and said, Bye, Mr. Sam. Hug your babies for us. And I snapped off a photo, and I have no idea if I grabbed something, but there was an interesting light formation that does not quite follow the line a flashlight would make, even if it's nothing. It's a peaceful t- uh, photo all the same. Uh, historically, Sam is not the name of the man my son encountered on his visits to the home, and I changed his name and stayed away from a few of the distinguishing factors of the town to keep the privacy of those who may be affected by the story. Sam was out walking a bit late at night. It was not yet dark, and he was hurrying home from the store after meeting with the banker with candy for his babies and a present for his wife, and he had bought her a new bolt of cloth to make herself a new dress. He was very happy because his wife was going to be very pleased. They did well that year, and the new dress would would be how he would let her know how well. He had twins, a boy and a girl, and both of them would be waiting at the big front window when he returned home. He thought that his wife was pregnant, and he whistled as he walked, and his step was light, and he lost his own thoughts of happiness, and out of nowhere came a blinding light. He knew nothing else. When he made it home, his babies were not at the window. His wife was nowhere around, and his beautiful, personally hand-carved furniture was replaced by the mass-produced junk made out of cardboard and chipped wood that was in the house now. The curtains were not made by his wife's hand, and there was nothing that was familiar, and these English were destroying his family home. Our son took that to mean he did not like Englishmen (laughs) or those who were not Amish. So now Sam waits. He waits to wake up from his dream. He waits for his wife to return with his babies. He often retraces his steps to see where he went wrong, but cannot seem to see exactly what happened. He's tried leaving the cloth and candy sticks at home and coming back to it, and the, but they are missing when he gets there as well. So he carries them all, the sticks in his right pocket, the bolt of cloth under his left arm, and each time he takes that walk. This man could not have been hit by a car, The street is a bit of a valley, and the sidewalks and the houses being on raised platforms, four or five steps will take you up to the sidewalk. Whatever hit him hit quick. He was all but a few blocks from his earthly home. Huh. That's pretty crazy. Okay, everybody, I think it's time we got to take a break, so don't go away, and we'll be right back with more of the Paranormal Portal podcast in just a couple minutes. everybody and we're back and we're back at it here on the paranormal portal podcast buckle up we're going in all right the next one is hawaii let's go there and see what's going on in hawaii this was recent just last week i took my trusty sidekick faith on a walk around the heliport 
Uh, I live around 12 minutes away, and it's a healthy three-mile jaunt along a dirt trail, and we were walking at a fast pace, and my dog was sniffing along the fence that borders the trail. This next part is kind of disgusting, but it's true. We find a dead pig carcass in the brush, and I think with all the cookouts taking place on the island-wide, pig leftovers get tossed all over the island, and I'm not sure why they don't bury them, and my dog and I, we find at least two a day. It's not an order you want to smell. I get really annoyed when a trade wind pushes that smell into my face. Even the dog wrinkles her nose. It's pretty potent. On this specific day, I was happy as one can be, and the day was a sunny eight, uh, what? A sunny 84, and the humidity was low. My skin was warm to the touch, and my leg muscles felt strong and fluid. It was a good day, but this was about to change. My dog was ahead of me about 10 steps away. When she jumped away from the large bush, she was investigating. I figured it was probably a feral cat. They grow really big here, and Faith is barely an 11-pounder. <clears throat> she, ran, she ran to me like her backside was on fire, and I laughed a, at the look in her face, and she turned around uh, for me to pick her up. So I obliged, chuckling at her shivering little body, and Nothing to be scared of, silly dog, I whispered into her ear. I could tell she was looking at me for answers, so I put her on the ground nearest to the fence and told her to stay. I didn't have to tell her twice, and she hovered low to the ground, her eyes staring intensely at the scary bush ahead. I walked over looking for any signs of movements. I didn't hear or see anything out of the ordinary. It was a bush, nothing more, nothing less. I was about to call the dog over when I saw a big black bag. It was another step or two when I saw the first jawbone. <clears throat> I raised my eyebrows in surprise. Opening the bag a little wider with my foot, I saw it was filled with other bones, and was then that I heard the cows. It was horrible. I could hear them being slaughtered. Having the ability of second sight, I see stories unfolding in my mind's eye. I could live without being shown this one. Images of cows being hammered on the head with metal bars filled my mind and I could hear the crushing blows on their throats as they collapsed into onto coral fencing. The sound of their skulls caving in was not a pretty sound. It was horrible. I guess I was being shown how this full bag of bones, cow bones to be specific, had come to be here. I hate seeing scenes of death, but the next part I do like. Ghostly apparitions were appearing before me. It was the slaughtered cows, and they say that animals do not have souls, but they do have a type of living energy that moves on after death, and I could see them standing around, staying together in a large group. The ghostly cows seemed to be waiting for something, or someone. I could hear faint animal sounds coming from them. They seemed to be ta talking to one other, another, probably asking each other what had happened. It didn't take long before I saw the outlines of human-like entities appearing, entering the space where I stood. Stepping away from the scene unfolding, I, I watched as ethereal being peered into the plastic bag in the bushes. He or she, I couldn't tell, but this was a beautiful being, angel or ghost, with shepherd duties. And then more of them appeared, and they seemed to be herding the cow apparitions into groups. The ethereal being's carried large staffs. I knew it. 
they were ghostly shepherds. I could see the landscape behind them and through them, and I stood still and watched. It was fascinating, and this was a first for me. Talk about timing to be there as they gathered the animals. I was in awe. These ghostly people or shepherds were dressed alike. They wore simple white skirts or shirts and tunic and pants, and it looked like some sort of tie was around the waist, and it looked to be twine-colored, but I wasn't sure if it was a rope or a belt of sorts. And remember, ethereal beings show us what we will most be most comfortable viewing, and these shepherds looked a lot like the Christmas picture postcards and Bible stories of my youth. This caused me to smile. I, in return, I, I did receive a sort of smile from one of the ghostly beings. It was, a very, it was very clear. They were here to gather up the ethereal cows. I watched until they were out of sight and had faded away, and then I walked over to the bag of bones. I tied off the bag and carried it with me. It was heavy, heavy and cumbersome, but I got it back to my truck. Okay, I know that they were only cow bones, but it was something I had to do. I took that bag of bones and drove to a beautiful hillside. I dragged out my shovel, which I kept in the truck, in case I get stuck while off-roading, and I buried those bones minus the bag up there. I stood back and looked over the valley below. I couldn't have picked a prettier place to put those bones. I looked down at my dog, and she she seemed to approve. Her little face looked almost joyful. Okay, maybe I'm just reading something into into her expression, but I felt good. The cows, I guess they were romping along in some ethereal pasture. You wonder about the pig carcasses? Yes, I know, bury them where they lay. Blessings. Well, that's cool. All right, so the next one is California. California, ladies and gentlemen. Let's see what's going on in California. Uh, The old house hasn't shown any surprises for us for a while. So I thought I'd share a few older stories of strange but true encounters. I know they're true because they actually happened to me. If you're here, uh, then you probably have a penchant for the spookier side of life. So I'll assume you're familiar with Nicole Kidman movie. Oh, yeah, The Others. Nicole Kidman's movie. It's called The Others. If you haven't seen it, ladies and gentlemen, it's really cool. You should check it out. It's really well done. Nicole plays the mother of two young children and is convinced her house is haunted. In one scene, her character comes across a small figure sitting on the floor, draped in a semi-transparent sheet, and in my opinion, it's one of the spookier scenes from the movie. Now imagine encountering a scene like that in real life. I don't have to imagine it because I lived it. I start work at 6 a.m., so I'm well up before the rest of the family, and I'm usually at work before anyone else has even begun stirring. I prefer to shower in the morning, so in order to avoid disturbing the rest of the house, I shower with the bedroom door closed and the lights off, at least all the lights off bar the bathroom, of course. This means that the hallway, which the bathroom and our bedrooms open on, is only illuminated by the light from the bathroom. This bathroom and hallway are actually the setting for all three of my short stories. One morning I was drying myself off after my shower, I thought I heard the door rattling, and I stopped and looked at the door and then thought I must have been imagining things, And which is when the door handle gave a couple of distinct shakes. Someone on the other side was obviously trying the handle as if to open the door, 
For a second, I felt safe in the knowledge that I was on the other side of the door, and then I thought of my wife and children asleep in their beds. So I summoned my courage, grabbed the door handle, and pulled open the door to confront whoever was on the other side. And another morning, I opened the door, and my blood ran cold. I just froze in place at what I saw. Unlike the first morning, there had been no warning rattle on the door handle. Nothing to prepare me for the sight of a small figure draped in a white sheet, sitting just a couple of feet in front of me. Yeah, just like the others. And yes, it really happened. Not long ago, I had just given my daughter I had just given my daughter her bath, and because we had a new puppy who likes to explore anywhere and everywhere, we've begun closing doors to all the rooms which are off limits to her. This includes the bathroom. And just as I pulled the bathroom door closed behind me, I heard two knocks come from the other side. My daughter and I had just left the bathroom, so I knew it was empty, and those knocks had definitely been on the other side of the door. Sometimes being an adult, especially a father, is not all it's cracked up to be. Exploring strange sounds from empty rooms is all part of the job. You're wondering what uh, had been rattling the door handle as I was drying myself, right? I'm not sure you got the bigger, uh, I'm not sure who got the bigger shock as I pulled the door open, my young son or myself. His bedroom is right next to the bathroom and he'd woken up as I took a shower wanting to see dad. It had been he who'd been trying to push open the door when I pulled it open. The figure under the white sheet, well, that was my little boy as well. This time he'd gotten one of the little chairs and set it outside the door. Then for some inexplicable reason, he'd chosen to drape his white crocheted blanket over his head before sitting down to wait for me to come out. <laughs> oh, no. Finally, the knocks on the other side of the door knocks uh, on the door knocks on the door from an empty room. We had one of those expandable shower rods, and as we were no longer using it, but I hate throwing things away, it had been standing in the corner behind the door. I'd hung my daughter's towel up on the rack right next to the shower, and which pushed itself pushed it off balance. As as I'd fully closed the door, the rod had overbalanced all the way and rolled across the face of the door. Being a paneled door with slightly recessed sections, as the rod rolled across the door, it rolled back and out of these two recessed sections, and that's what made the knocking sounds. I do believe in spirits, but sometimes there's also very real explanations for things that go bump in the night. Well, that's fantastic. Why'd you waste all of our time with your mundane experiences? <laughs> I guess he's proven a point. Fantastic. There's a couple phones. Let's see. Let's get to the first one. Thank you for that. All right. Let's see who's on the phone. All right. Area code 310. This is Sean, yeah? Yep, that is I. Hey, it is I. How you doing? I'm doing okay. Just thought I'd call in because you sound like you're getting a froggy, so they were saying <laughs> give him a break, so I'm, I'm going to call and give you a break. Uh, you would said something about uh, several times on many of these videos, I, I, I keep wanting to call in and say it over and over again, is animals do have a soul. And uh, I know people say, well, they have a kind of, no, they have a, they have a soul. Just, just like any of us. And on more than one occasion, I've had to actually go and free large numbers of them. But my first experiences with them having souls, um, actually seeing 
watching them. It was uh, when my dog Phelan passed. We had to take him in to have him put down because at the age of 16, he had been a victim of that uh, food-related event from the Beneful, which is the reason why I'm not a big fan of a particular food company ever again. Sure. And um, when the... Uh, I'm going to try not to get teary-eyed about this, but um, when the vet had plunged had uh, pushed down the plunger. He was so weak. It was, it was like a second later and he was gone. His, his soul literally leapt out of his body and, uh, to try and say, I'm okay. Oh. He, uh, tried to jump up on me. <laughs> Instead, he just knocked me down and I watched him, uh, get pulled to the garden where mm-hmm. I'm sorry. I'm trying not to cry. This is one of the things I'm going to be working with Barb on. <sighs> this one was a very traumatic experience because I didn't expect it to happen just to watch the whole thing. So yes, they have souls. Sure. The next time was when Loon passed mm. and he was in my arms and I, I ushered him on to the other side and I got to see what the garden looks like. It's a beautiful place. It's an ideal place for them. <clears throat> Every animal has their particular place where they can go and, and wait for you. Mm-hmm. Or wait for their time to come back to you. That's cool. So yeah, they they definitely have souls. And I think um, they do too. I, I really wish there was some way I could actually get people to uh, not consider them a kind of soul or an aura. That's what we literally all are. And it's it's a they're beautiful, <laughs> and yeah. and when it comes time for them to pass on, they become radiant. Oh, I bet. Yeah, yeah. I I believe they do too. I don't I don't buy into that. Oh, they're. They have no soul. It's like, well, I, in my in my opinion, if if something is alive, it's got a soul. It may, you know, like it, when you think of like fish and minnows, it might be a different kind of of light, but it's still a soul. <laughs> yeah, and they uh, they can come back to you as well, which is with cats. I've mm-hmm. I found I've been lucky enough to have the same one return now three times, and uh, it's very fun to know because. Uh, all I had to do was accidentally do the the sign for my deaf cat to come to me, and and this new kitten comes running across the room because I forgot that this one isn't that cat, and then he he recognizes it and comes running after he'd been here for three months in the house, <laughs> and it's like a great weight off my shoulders to know that Loon came back. Oh, that's uh, cool. Yeah. I just I get tired of hearing it because it's it is almost like an excuse to be to say well it's okay. You know that we do the that we do horrible things to them. It, yeah, I we do. I, I do accept that we have to eat, mm-hmm. and we and it, it's part of the circle of life. Right. But to demean it, to say, well, no, they, they're a different kind of spirit. It's, no. Yeah. We're all made of the same material. We're, you know, like Yoda said, luminous beings are we, not this crude matter. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, we're not flesh bags. We're just. This is just our car. This is how we move. Yeah. Uh, the euphemism I usually give people is that we're we are not the that we're not the car. We're not even the person driving the car. We're the soul inside the person driving the car. Because so that's that's the closest way to uh, analogize us being inside the astral body, controlling the physical body in the physical world. And this is this suit we're wearing is just a space suit. It just controls uh, our abilities to manifest our energy and will in this space. Mm-hmm. And um, I was first told that by my very first big teacher in in this 
this great work that I do. Uh, and he just passed on February the 5th. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, his name was Robert Rogers. And uh, he was like a surrogate father to me. Uh, when I was in the California Boys Choir, he and uh, Douglas Nesland were the ones who uh, helped to shape me into the person I am. And he was a very spiritual man. When he Now, I'm not crying for him, mm-hmm. mostly for my animals and my loss, but because Bob was ready to go quite some time ago. He was just one of those people who was like, I really am tired of being here. This body's breaking down, yeah. and I really want to get to the next world. He was such a spiritual man. And I, I realize now that he was, he lasted this long because all of the, the choir boys, all of the alumnus, we had to have our time with him. We, we weren't ready to let him go yet. Right. We weren't ready to, to, to say goodbye. Sure. But when time came, not there, there were very few tears and many people very, very happy to see him finally relieved. Absolutely. He, he passed into a coma and passed on quietly. Cool. Well, thank you, brother. I appreciate you calling in, and I appreciate what you're saying. You're absolutely right. Uh, Thank you, everybody. Have a good night. All right, brother. Have a good night. Thanks. And we got another call, and this is from area code 845. You're on the air. Hey, Brent. It's Carlton from the Pharmacy Seas Network. Hey. I had a couple of comments. Uh, One on the recent caller there, Sean, who's talking about animals have souls. I completely agree with that. Yeah. And uh, I, I don't see how you can spend any time around a pet that you love and realize how connected you get to them and not think that they have a soul. Um, <laughs> and uh, I, I think the bigger part of that is, I think, as people, uh, and then especially with religious stuff, people are afraid to, like, you know, look at an animal as, as having the same capacity that yeah. they do. And so out of fear, I think, is more that, you know, mentality of, oh, they don't have souls. The 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 downside, of course, is the implication that as much as they hate mice, they have souls, too. So yeah. I'm murdering mice <laughs> in my greenhouse, but hey. <laughs> it's, it's the, as Sean said, it's the circle of life, you know. <laughs> But no, right, I, I right. agree. I think I think you're right. I think it's it's probably how people uh, quantify their you know their, some putting putting these things underneath us. And I know that uh, I, here's the thing for me, and I'll, I'll just draw from Christianity as an as, as an example. A lot of people say, well, the the earth was created for us. It says so in the Bible, and it says you know that these are here for us. So it doesn't matter what we do. And I'm like, my opinion is that okay, so. Taking that context, if something was given to us to, to give in charge, we are given charge of something, it doesn't mean, you know, you, you treat it like crap. I mean, that, that is a, that's an implied responsibility. If something was given to us to have charge and dominion over the earth, that means you take care of it. I mean, it's like you give a babysitter, you know, your home and your children, you don't expect them to throw parties and lock your kids in the closet, you know. <laughs> you you expect them to yeah, you know yeah, honor yeah. that and 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 treat those things wonderfully and uh, you know live up to that that expectation. So you know I I don't agree right. that you know we have a, a some kind of divine mandate that we can do whatever the hell we want. I totally 
totally agree. I totally agree. If I if I uh, give you something to take care of, it, I want it back in the same shape it was. Yeah. And if you're doing really well, it will come back in better shape than it was. That's that's truly caring for something and investing yourself and your time and your energy and your love into something. You know, uh, abusing it. Uh, you know, because you have dominion over it is just a very crude, low level mentality. Uh, when you right. put love into something, that comes back to you. You know, you're you're loving yourself and you're loving others all in one. It's those two can't be separated, really. Right. Yep, I agree, brother. I definitely agree. I know you want to close this stream out because it's 11 o'clock, but uh, David Politis just released a video today, and he reads a couple of emails from people who have had experiences similar to the missing 411 cases. Ooh. I just wanted to point everybody to it to check it out because uh, there's some very paranormal stuff going on in some of those emails, but well worth a, a listen. I think it's about a 40-minute video. Definitely worth ch- checking it out. Yeah, well, you know, I did a, I did an episode um, a while back here on YouTube. It is called. It was the episode I named "Almost Missing," and uh, it's people that had close calls with uh, what may be the same phenomena that are causing these people to be taken or, or disappearing. And uh, so, if you go back in the archives, check it out too. Um, I, there is some really uh, amazing stories, but I'm going to definitely go check that out because I'm absolutely fascinated by that subject. I will go back and check out Almost Missing. I uh, had not caught that one yet. Oh, and cool. uh, yeah, he's, uh, he's, uh, it's his official channel. It's uh, Can-Am Missing yes. uh, Project is the YouTube channel name for people who want to check it out. And that's David Politis' actual official channel. And it looks like he's going to be posting like weekly with those type of emails and other stuff. So okay. I might even be able to source some, uh, some good content over to the portal for that or from that. Fantastic, brother. Thanks so much for being a part of the show and calling in. I really appreciate it. It's great to hear from you. Cool. Thank you. I appreciate uh, appreciate having you here. Appreciate uh, all that you do. And I uh, love coming in and joining the community every night. And uh, thank you to everybody who came over from uh, the Paranormal Portal to support my live stream tonight. Greatly appreciate it. Thanks a bunch. <laughs> Very cool. Oh, that's wonderful. It's a great way to end the night. So uh, I guess that's going to do it for us tonight. Thank you guys so much for being here. I appreciate it. All right, guys, thank you so much for joining us here on tonight's show. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Please feel free to follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Radio. As well as finding us on Twitter. We're on Twitter at Paranormal Portal, P O R T L. And uh, we'd love to have you stop by our YouTube page and subscribe and check out our shows there. We got hundreds of shows in our, uh, our, our vault of <laughs> journeys into the Paranormal Portal. So I hope you'll check it, out. check it out, guys. We're over there at youtube.com slash Paranormal Portal. So hope to see you guys soon. Uh, we'll be back, of course, for more podcasts in the coming days. So. Uh, stay tuned, but we love you all. Be good, be kind, be nice, take care of each other, help each other out, find the magic in every day, and remember to laugh as much as you can. Take care, everybody.